Good morning and welcome to the Good News Project. My name is Matt Jackson and today's date is January 1st, 2021. Yes, my friends, through the grace of God, we have made it through the year that seemed to have no end. How did we get here and what am I doing? I'm going to do my best to bring you the unvarnished truth about everything I believe, all of my faults, all of my opinions on a number of topics, completely random stories from the past and present, things that I think are interesting and I hope you will find interesting, advice, asking questions, seeking your input, guest appearances if I can convince anyone to join me in the middle of the night, and a whole lot more. So why am I doing this? What's the origin story behind this? Well, it goes a little like this. It's the first weekend in May of 2020. We have been in the throes of the pandemic for almost six weeks. My school district, I'm a teacher, has just announced that we are not going back to school for the rest of the year. My wife, a nurse, has been working 80 hours a week since the start of the virus, and my kids have been thrust into this new weird world of online learning where the parent must help facilitate what little learning was taking place. My church has been locked out of its building, forcing us to go online. And to be honest, the fear and peril of a virus has been compounded by a bitterly polarized political climate in an election year and many visible instances of disproportionate administration of justice and use of force towards people of color. Maybe I'm a naive sucker, but I've always thought in the grand scheme of things that we were all Americans and that we all cared about one another regardless of our background, our faith, our gender, or our race. I'm losing my faith in our unity. I pull up my computer and I Google the phrase, how can Americans move to Canada? I'm only half joking. I feel that I can't continue to live in this country under these circumstances. It is increasingly dark and hopeless. I've had one social interaction with a non-family member in six weeks, my good friend Dustin Kreider. We sat in an empty bar on a Sunday morning wondering if the bar we sat in would be open in a couple of months and wondering how we had reached the point of watching a fanless NASCAR race. We weren't really NASCAR fans. And some obscure golf tournament. How had everything gone to crap? I am suffocating. I am depressed. I don't want to harm myself. I'm not suicidal or anything. But I'm just completely and totally empty inside without even an inkling of light at the end of a dark tunnel. Staring at social media, mainly Facebook and Twitter, just escalates and exacerbates these awful feelings. There's just so much hate in the world. We are all on opposite teams, and we have our minds made up about anything. There's no such thing as agreeing to disagree. I no longer sleep for long stretches of time. Since early May and up until today, my body wakes itself up around 3.30 a.m. No matter when I go to sleep or how I try to force myself to change my habits, 
I am always up in the middle of the night, left alone, largely sitting in my office, wondering what I can do to pass the time before the normal human hours of a day approach. My office is my favorite room in my house. There's just a lot of cool stuff in here and lots of reminders of the journey and the paths that my life has followed. My college diploma from the University of Houston is in here. My numerous boxing credentials from the 40 plus championship fights that I've had the privilege of covering and attending. There's textbooks in here, I'm a teacher now. There's religious books, there's sports books, including a biography written by the late Boxing Hall of Famer, Burt Sugar, who was a good friend and wrote the most beautiful note to me in the front cover of the book. There are numerous playbills from Broadway musicals, soccer practice sessions that I have designed, old copies of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I was an RPG nerd. A framed autographed portrait of Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, and Peter Lawford. Sinatra is still one of my five favorite singers of all time. There are team pictures of all the soccer teams for which I've been fortunate to coach. There's a copy of the September 27, 2012 Houston Press, which called Matt and Adam in the Morning the best talk show in Houston sports. Bobblehead dolls, yearbooks, baseball cards, Magic the Gathering cards saved from the 1990s. Did I mention I'm an RPG nerd? My lucky green U of H Shamrock baseball cap, a gift on St. Patrick's Day during a U of H home game during the 2014 baseball season. A U of H pool hall lamp. A Foster High School beanie. Wallet-sized pictures from current and former graduating seniors who told me that I had impacted their life as their teacher. A photo of a kiss between my then-fiancé Allison and me taken during a very cheesy photo session. And most importantly a fairly worn-through copy of the Bible, NIV, which I first bought in 2011. The Bible would be the first of many books that I would take to study over the last six months in an effort to both make sense of this absurd season and move my mind away from the real world, which seems so completely unpalatable. I am 43 years old. Never in my life did I even contemplate the consistent investment of time to get close to God through his word. I prayed daily, especially with my kids, but the Bible was something that I brought out on Sundays and Wednesdays, and then maybe every so often on a rainy day. In May and June, I started small, and I just picked a single book, and I read it from beginning to end a couple of times to try and devour its meaning. I'll tell you that the book of Mark is a great book for anyone to start was either reading the Bible for the first time or maybe recommitting themselves to engaging with the Word on a daily basis. Mark is one of the Gospels, which for Christians are four of the most important books of the New Testament. Mark is 16 chapters. So in theory, if you dedicated yourself to simply reading one chapter of Mark per day and really trying to absorb its meaning, you could read the entire book in a little over two weeks. In July, in the midst of online-only church, we began a series on the book of Revelations. In hindsight, maybe not the best selection to subject people to during a year as catastrophic as this one. In conjunction with this series, a guest pastor, Jeff Kinley, who was co-teaching the series with our campus pastor at the Bridge Fellowship, Kenny Dean, introduced us to a couple of books he had written, The End of America, 
An Interview with the Antichrist. I read both of these books while on a brief family vacation. A horrible choice on my part. There was nothing relaxing or uplifting, and these close examinations of the disintegration of our country and our world through the lens of the Bible. So much of what happened this year in our country was accurately predicted in The End of America, which was written in 2016. The handwriting was on the wall, so to speak. Now look, these are really good books. Fascinating reads. But they are not for the faint of heart. These books will scare you. And I would say that they added my anxiety and stress levels of 2020. Read them if you have questions or curiosity about the decline of American culture and values, which I certainly did and still do. But don't expect easy or comfortable answers about reconciliation. In August, we were ready for a reboot of Pandemic High School, 77406. I have found comfort in the challenges of teaching in a pandemic. Because while there is extra work involved in the execution of educating students and coaching athletes, it was a resumption of human relationships that COVID absolutely murdered in the scholastic world last spring. The first two weeks of post-spring break, teaching online was awesome because all of my students wanted to talk to one another through Zoom and get some clarity from an adult on what the path forward was that spring. But by the middle of April, when it became clear that we were not going back to school and grades had essentially taken a holiday, almost all the students checked out. And that was very disheartening to me. But this fall has been great. I'm working with some really talented students, and it has been a joy to just speak life into them and their endeavors, as well as help them improve their writing and critical thinking skills. Now, as I mentioned earlier, 2020 was an absolute torture chamber if you've been spending any amount of time on social media. There is so much hate in the world, and I just find very little value in several of the echo chambers that I apparently was a part of unbeknownst to me. There were semi-acquaintances and people that I was somewhat friendly with at some point that were just spewing political hate, bigotry, and pouring gasoline on the dying embers of conversations that just needed to go away. I muted or blocked so many of them, but continued to see crap, filth, ignorance, retweeted on my timeline and shared on Facebook. In early September, I watched the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, which interviews ex-employees of all the major tech companies across our country. They discuss how companies like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, which started with the best of intentions, have become global trillion-dollar chaos monetizers. They are now specifically designed to monetize on your fears, your prejudices, your psychology, your entire being. Complicated mathematical algorithms are fixated on your likes, your retweets, your shares, and every second you place your eyeball on anything. I noticed that it didn't seem to matter how many times I hid crap from my timeline, or I muted, or I unfollowed people, that same stuff came back up and kept getting amplified by other people. So I decided that I wanted to see if I could overcome the algorithms. If people posting hostile or inflammatory info could be amplified and pollute your timeline, I wondered if sharing good news and positivity could do the same. Beginning on September 23rd, and for every day of the rest of the year, I woke up in the dawn's early light, read my Bible, 
and shared a verse that had meaning to me on my Facebook and Twitter timelines. I was pleasantly surprised that within just a few days, I started receiving positive feedback from people that I had never met before, and even some very good friends and acquaintances for whom I had not spoken for years, and were inspired to share their own faiths because I stepped out on a limb a bit and put my naive and limited biblical authority out into the ether of the internet. Robert Hensley, who's a great guy, a Christ follower, someone I worked with for quite a few years at Sports Radio 610, and is as honest as the day is long. He told me that he wished that he had known when we worked together that I was a Christian and was capable of having faith-centered conversations. Certainly one of my many shortcomings when I made a living on the airwaves was missing out on an opportunity to carry my faith up front and focus less on fulfilling an image that I incorrectly perceived was necessary to be a successful talk show host. I'm sure that I'll dig deeper into this topic in the weeks to come, but I can tell you that my full-time career on the radio came to an end, not because I exceeded Clear Channel's salary cap, though I had. It was because I was consumed with my profession and my ego and had failed my Heavenly Father by not being a good husband or a good father. I spent as little time as possible in my home, which God helped me correct and humble me by helping me experience the hopelessness of unemployment for a calendar year. I want you to know that I'm not doing this podcast with the intention of relaunching a middle-aged white man's radio career. I'm pretty sure that market is cornered. I'm not selling any furniture or CBD oils or weight loss pills or trailer hitches. I'm quite comfortable with the level of my testosterone, and I'm happy with my simple pickup truck. My intention is simple. Once a week, I want to share some good news and have some fun. Sometimes it'll just be me. And maybe sometime I'll convince some sucker to come on the pod at 4 a.m. I'm not here to convert you, and I'm not judging you. I am the least perfect person in this conversation. I don't care if you're Christian, Jewish, or Muslim. If you're atheist or agnostic, if you're black or white, if you're male or female, if you're gay or straight, we all need good news in our world. Am I going to share some scriptures with you from time to time? You better believe it. Because at the end of the day, I believe we all want hope and we want to be happy and we want some applicable truths to share and discuss with other people. And to me, there's no better source for hope than the truths you can find in the Bible. You can go old school and pick up a hard copy or lots of people love the Bible app, which you can find in any app store on your smartphone. Just a couple of scriptures to share with you here in this first pod. From the second book of Peter, God does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. It comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I promise you that every second of every day, God is with you. And he is doing all the heavy lifting. Look for the good in every situation and thank God for that. You'll be amazed at the change of your outlook in life if you apply your own positive filter for everything. When you feel like you want to criticize or speak ill of someone or something, either squash it if it's really not that critical, or go to God and ask him how to effectively communicate the need for growth in a positive manner. I have been so pleasantly surprised 
at how effective this has been in my own life. In the second verse, and maybe the most important verse, the most important reason why I'm starting this podcast, in the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Now, to Christians, this verse is all about sharing the story of our salvation with others. The good news that God wants everyone to know is that he sent a Savior into the world named Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price for our sins so that we could be forgiven when we fall short of living in the manner in which God intended for us. And folks, we're going to fall short often, but through his grace, we are redeemed. Each week, I'm going to try to give you something to read and something to watch or invite my guests. God willing, someone will want to join me from time to time to do the same. So first up, something for you to read in the new year. The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Rick is an amazing pastor and speaker, and he wrote this book almost 20 years ago. I think I've read it five times, and in fact, as of this morning, I completed my fifth journey through the book. The Purpose Driven Life attempts to answer the question that many of us have at some point in our lives. What on earth am I here for? What I love about the book is it's meant to be read over 40 days' time. There are 40 chapters. You read one chapter a day, and you kind of let it sink in a little bit for you. After each chapter, there are one or two personal inventory questions to ask yourself. And then the next day, you move on to the next chapter. 20 years ago, I certainly was not as invested in reading books as I am today. So it's even a great book if you don't care for reading, because the time commitment is only about 10 minutes a day. Pick up a copy on Amazon, or I'm sure it's available at your local library as well. Now something to watch on TV. Oh my goodness, I can't wait for this one. Season 3 of Cobra Kai has been released as we speak on Netflix. I am fairly certain that I will plow through this today. If you haven't watched Cobra Kai, this is a reboot of the 1980s hit movie trilogy, The Karate Kid. It originally aired on YouTube Red, which means 90% of you either didn't see it or you illegally streamed it from somewhere. Don't worry, God forgives you. I kind of feel like God would want you to spend quality time with Ralph Macchio and Billy Zabka. So it's all good. Now look, this series often is cheesy and sometimes there's a character that may annoy you. But there is so much nostalgia involved in this series that it is impossible not to like it. So far through two seasons, we've seen cameos or regular appearances from Daniel LaRusso, Johnny Lawrence, Daniel's mom. Okay, she's annoying. John Kreese, the original Cobra Kai sensei, almost all of the original Cobra Kai dojo members, and in a cliffhanger of an ending in season two, there is an event that hints at the return of my childhood crush, the one, the only, Elizabeth Shue. I'm staring at Elizabeth Shue's IMDb page right now. How is it possible that Elizabeth Shue... Are you ready for this? I'm going to blow your mind. Elizabeth Shue is 57 years old. Also, why is it that the Academy Awards only recognized her for her work as a Vegas hooker, unable to redeem an alcoholic Nick Cage in leaving Las Vegas, when she clearly stole our hearts and minds as Daniel LaRusso's girlfriend in The Karate Kid, and then as the incredibly attractive babysitter Chris 
and adventures in babysitting. I don't care if it's 1987 or 2021, which one of you would not trust Liz Shoe to babysit your kids? Liz, if you're listening, anytime you're welcome to babysit my boys. The Oscar for Best Picture in 1987 actually went to The Last Emperor, which was one of the most boring movies in the history of mankind. Oscars, come on, come correct. Give Miss Shoe her rightfully deserved trophy. All right, I got sidetracked, but for Elizabeth Shue, I'll allow it. Back on topic. If you haven't started watching Cobra Kai yet, get thee to Netflix. Start season one today. You'll be able to binge watch this show and finish it by weekend's end. I promise you, you'll thank me for it. I'm so thankful for this opportunity to share good news with you each week. This is going to be a work in progress. You might think this is terrible. You may not want to listen to me ever again. And I get it and I understand it. But if you did make it to the end of this podcast, I'd love to hear from you and I welcome your feedback. You can email me at goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. That's goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Or just hit me up on Twitter at MJ, the number four sports, at MJ4sports. Still the same Twitter handle after all these years. If there's someone you'd love to hear from, if there's a subject you'd like me to touch on on the pod from some event of the past, present, or future, I'm all ears. If there's someone that I can pray for, I'm good with that as well. Just drop me a quick message. And if you happen to be looking for a church that you can call home, let me make a quick mention about my church family, The Bridge Fellowship. You can check them out online at thebridge.me, or if you happen to be in the Houston area, we will have live services at our Sugarland campus and our Regal Theater campus resuming on Sunday, January 10th. I can't promise you that every podcast is going to be long, and they're certainly never going to be perfect. I'm a full-time high school teacher and soccer coach and a husband and a parent, so I have plenty on my plate. But you know, I want to stretch my broadcasting muscles again, and there's no time like the present to get that going. I want to invite and encourage you each to invest in positivity in 2021, in all of your relationships. Share your good news with other people. Share other people's good news with other people. Until next week, this is Matt Jackson. Thank you for listening to The Good News Project. Happy 2021, my friends.